Hello, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Creativity Prep. This is uh, going to be entry number two the, for the week of 1.14. We're going to be talking about, uh, just so you guys get an idea of what I'm doing here, I'm creating a magic special that's specializing on creativity. So it's exploring the idea of creativity, what it is, what is it as a concept, and how can I demonstrate the more uh, extreme sides of that using magic and illusions to demonstrate real things about creativity. In the last week, you've seen some of the things that I've been studying. I learned a lot of tips on how to increase creativity, and I gave those to you guys. I also looked at uh, the ROI, what is the uh, business end of creativity, as well as the positives and negatives. This week, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's gotten a lot darker. <laughs> uh, it's been getting pretty darn dark. I, I, I've been getting deeper and deeper into the topic, and I didn't realize how uh, how dark it could get. It's a it's a very interesting discovery. It, it's kind of a little startling, to be honest. I was not expecting this. I, I wanted this first special that I worked on to be more positive, uplifting, and uh, helpful for you guys, but. Looks like we're not gonna have that because unfortunately the truth uh, takes over and uh, yeah, you gotta go with the truth over what makes people happy. The thing that I found that has been the darkest for me is uh, this concept of this duel between Carl Jung and basically Big Pharma. And I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory and I hope to God that it is. And if you're in the comment section, let me know. Give me the give me the facts because again, I'm an amateur. I'm I'm a magician. That's what I am as a professional. I'm not a researcher as a professional. So if you guys have better evidence, I, I really appreciate it. But more or less this duel between Carl Jung and the push to systematize and commercialize pharmaceutical drugs as a method for dealing with quote unquote mental illness. Carl Jung being one of the smartest psychologists that's ever lived, identify the fact that people aren't uh, a collective. You can't treat them with blanket cures. They need an individualized cure. And when it comes to the mind, the mind is the most complicated organ in the universe. Literally, like there are more neuron, neural, potential neural connections in your mind than there are particles in the universe. Think about that. In every person's mind. You, there is the more potentiality for connections than there are subatomic particles in the entire universe. It's crazy. So, and his point was like, you're going to try and do a blanket cure for that? It, it, you can't. And there's a huge financial incentive on the pharmaceutical side of things where it's like, well, if we can create blanket statements, we can create essentially magic pills to solve problems and that's way more marketable than sitting down and talking with someone for two years in a therapeutic setting and it's it was a crazy battle in essence what ended up happening is the pharmaceutical companies won and they had this insane uh operation that's still in play today the the dsm i believe is what it was called but basically they got a bunch of people together and they just had psychologists be like hey name a disorder well, what's it kind of like? Give us some symptoms. Literally just like in a big, almost like a stock room situation where everyone just came in together in a group and like just shouted out ideas. Be like, ah, here's a disorder. This one right here. And they're like, oh, what, what's that like? Oh, well, you know, it's oh, anxiety disorder. Oh, what's anxiety disorder like? Well, it's where you get really nervous sometimes. And 
uh, you feel anxious. All right, write that one down. And they put it down in a book. And then they'd go and be like, all right, this is now a disorder. And here's a pill to solve that problem. And that was literally the entire process. Like it was not scientifically done. It was not done in a way that was methodical or thoughtful at all. And it was a horror show. And it ended up with a, a lot of the, a lot of those issues get publicized today where we had insane things for uh, various disorders that were quote unquote disorders that aren't actually disorders at all. Um, so what this finding was saying was that it was something like 50 to 75% of uh, over-the-counter drugs that you take perform less than the placebo effect. There's no physiological or biochemical reason for the issue. You hear the term chemical imbalance, that's mostly a myth. It's very rare that it's actually the result of a chemical imbalance. We, we can't go in very, it's very rare that we can go in and see someone and say, oh, this is caused by this quote unquote chemical imbalance. It, it isn't the case and it, it's absolutely bizarre. And this is where Carl Jung was at the forefront of it in this epic duel to the death with the pharmaceutical companies and they ended up winning out. And he was a big proponent for the individuation process, individualized medicine, working with the person to get them their specific needs. Because maybe for one person, a uh, religious solution might be a good way. And maybe for another person that wouldn't be effective. But why rule out that religious solution for the person that it would work for? So that's kind of the scary, really dark stuff that I've been stumbling into. And again, I'm an amateur. I'm not an expert. I'm just reading stuff. And if you guys have better information, let me know. I'll update this. You've already seen that's how I do it. But it really freaked me out to see like, if the ramifications of what I've been looking into are true, how massive uh, impact that's having on our culture. You, you could you could almost reframe the earth in a way where it's like we're drugging people for being creative and that's terrifying and to make matters worse i watched a lecture where they brought on scientists and researchers and psychologists who all suffer with mental illness and i watched this lecture where they're also creative and it was basically a lecture on the correlation between creativity and madness and that was pretty scary too. <laughs> it, got, it was pretty dark. This, this lecture that I'm watching is basically on how, how creativity and madness work together. And it's very frightening. It's almost as if, and this is, keep in mind right here, I'm pushing some of my bias of being a magician in the wizard philosophy studying that knowledge so that's going to kind of bleed into my my interpretation of this information here but what it sounds like is for magic we, we believe in the wizard ideas that the, there is this other dimension of the creative realm the the realm that carl jung talks about in the red book exists the, the realm of symbols the unknowable unknowables that uh while we can't know those things they do exist and are real and our brain has to create symbols to understand them and so what it sounds to me like is from listening to this long form lecture on the topic of creativity and madness is that there is the, you can touch the dimension and the difference between creativity and madness is the control. So the madman is thrown into that realm and it's outside the person's control. They can't control their on off of the creativity. However, 
if you're a creative person, you're able to tap into that realm, enter into that realm, put your toe into that realm, if you will, take a look and bring stuff back. But what's bizarre and, and absolutely terrifying to me is that uh, the deeper the creative goes, the more likely they are to go towards the side of madness because every time you touch it it's, and you bring something back, it, it, it can take something from you. It's almost like what Nietzsche talks about, looking into the void, the void looks back, and it takes a piece of you. <laughs> and it was frightening, a frightening lecture. To the, the thought process of like every time you're doing a creative pursuit, you're taking this risk of taking a piece of your sanity, just have it grabbed from you and never getting it back. And that's frightening to me. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's something that I need to understand better because that's the creative dimension. And magicians, unlike any other art, are so deeply embedded in that art form of that dimension that we have cultivated a lot of techniques and practices integrated into the art to help keep the person safe from that problem happening. And I'm, I'm gonna try and understand that and articulate that better so that more people can have it without the just the emphasis on it being for the art of magic because it's clearly something that people suffer with. But it was an absolutely fascinating lecture to watch where you could hear a person like with schizophrenia who had taken that, um, that issue or had taken that disorder and made it into something artistic and powerful and showing that progression, it, it was frightening. Uh, the, one of the things that they sh showed us was the progression of a man who had drawn the pictures of cats every day as his disorder of schizophrenia progressed. And um, what I found out was even more terrifying was you saw that and you watched that and you looked at it and you're like, wow, that is so horrifying to watch this degradation of this man drawing pictures of cats as it just becomes this deformed, morphous blob of darkness. And it was freaky. And then I researched that further and it turned out the thing was a lie. They made that up uh, as propaganda for that pharmaceutical thing. It, it blew my mind. Like it really wasn't, they, they took all these different pictures of that he had drawn of cats and then they ordered them in such a way that it would look like a progression, but it wasn't true at all. It was like cool, normal cat crazy scary cat and normal cat again and like all in between mishmashed it wasn't a progression it was a complete and total sham that they had created basically as propaganda for these books uh kind of uh, uh echo of what carl jung was dealing with so that was frightening as well to just see how much like even when i'm watching scientists on stage with a lecture uh it isn't until i go and listen to four or five experts talk about the same topic before you find out like oh misinformed these people aren't telling the truth too they, they, they can be wrong too just because they're an expert doesn't make them uh, right and you have to get so many differing opinions on the topic and that for me was freaky so you can see I, i'm a little bit more stressed than normal with this particular one because it's uh frightening to me all the stuff that i've been discovering there's this massive conspiracy we might be drugging people for the just for being different being creative uh, and shutting down their ability to do that. And like we talked about in the ROI, it's literally the most vital and important thing in our society is the capacity for creativity. It's what pushes us forward. It's what innovates us. It's what allows us to do what would be considered impossible. It's what let us fly in airplanes. Like creativity is absolutely vital and we're, we could be potentially drugging people out of it 
purely based on the whims of some people in the 70s because they wanted to make a quick buck and that's freaky and I really hope that that's not true I hope that's wrong I hope that I'm stupid and I did bad research let me know if, if that is the case I want to know because I don't want to live in the I don't I don't want a world where that's the case but if it is man that's that's freaky and I don't even know what the solution is to it either I, I haven't thought about it through it's just it's frightening to me one so one thing that I think that I can help bring to the table here that I do have a bit of help with is the creative dimension and managing that for people who uh, aren't already suffering from mental illness I think from the magician's art form I think that we have managed to we've managed the relationship with the creative dimension in a way that is very systematic and professional that is far and above what most other art forms do for a lot of artists they kind of just have to wait for the inspiration to take them over and then they run out and go into the uh run out and get and take it it's almost like they're temporarily going mad and jumping into that dimension and that's uh a creative dimension grabbing everything they can and then running out and booking it and i can see how that you know comedians are a perfect example of that and the a massive amounts of drug problems and psychological issues that come from doing that kind of thing are evident you can look at the history of that it, it's a lot of great people have fallen because of that and magicians have that too and uh, artists in general have that problem but I feel like if you compare comedians and magicians who are doing very similar processes magicians tend to have a little bit less but it's still there and those two art forms in general have to dive into that dimension more than any of the other ones and be there longer because it's uh, ideas and literally our art is revealing that element of that dimension to the world or at least for the magician and then the comedians are looking into that dimension and saying, well, let's find out what is the bright side of this. What, how can we look at it in a positive way? That dimension of symbols can best be managed by understanding uh, how magicians enter that state and then use that in a logical way. So the, basically the structure, the system that magicians use to manage that creative workflow is to go and do kind of like what I'm doing here, deep dive with the logical side of my brain into the topic. I'm reading tons, I'm listening to tons of podcasts, I'm listening to lectures from Oxford professors, I'm gathering varying sources on the internet and really engrossing myself in there so that rather than just jump into the topic, into the creative realm without any footing, I can jump into that realm well informed and prepared. So by preparing myself, to enter there, I'm equipping myself with the knowledge and skills and weapons I need to uh, go into that realm and then bring out the creative elements, which by the way, I'm gonna discuss later in this video, some of the things that I've been able to pull out and you'll be seeing them in the upcoming special this month. If you're an artist and you're trying to figure out how to, how to manage this scenario, what I'd recommend doing is finding an, a topic that you want to pursue and what a question that you want to answer might be a better way of phrasing it and then go out and inform yourself on the topic see what the greatest minds have said already about that and engross yourself in that media and learn about it and then allow the creative process to come to you 
and rather that by overloading your mind, your brain will then start to enter that creative state and start making neural connections. And that's uh, a much lighter, safer, and reliable method of being creative without having the risk of diving in and going into madness. It's still there. It still exists. It still happens. But it, it's a lot safer way of playing with these things. But don't don't be mis don't be misled by the fact that it's added safety. There is an element of danger to this. It's real and it exists. And uh, yeah, full disclaimer. Like it, obviously, if you it, this is something from what I've been looking at the research, and that that's one thing that has been very clear is people who go to that void and do it frequently, uh, they're taking a risk every time. There is a, a risk that you can slip into madness, and there's also the chance that you may not be able to get back. So, be careful. Now, I also want to discuss kind of some of the things that I've discovered for my special. So, some of the things that I've gone into the gone into that dimension of and pulled out ideas for for this upcoming special is the concept of synchronicity. So, Carl Jung talks a lot about this concept of synchronicity. It's when the logical real world, the the what we can know. Uh, overlaps with the unknown unknowns. So, so you have the unknown unknown dimension, the, the symbolic dimension, if you will. It's the things that are beyond our brain's ability to comprehend, so we create symbols for them. And then you have what we do know, and that's like logical, that's uh, two plus two equals four, that, that's everything that you you think of as the, the normal world, the objective reality. When those two things overlap inside that realm is synchronicity is where symbolic forces come into play with the objective world and things happen that are bizarre and unique and coincidences. Now, this particular thing has been disregarded by most scientists because they're like, well, we aren't able to reproduce it, which is absolutely stupid because think about that. Like, oh, we can't reproduce in a lab consistently the result of something that can't be known to us symbolically in a lab it's like okay well you also can't reproduce life in a lab from non-life so I guess you're throwing out evolution like geez man it's like you, you don't understand like it, it's it's a weird shell game that i see being played with a lot of this uh whenever you get close to this topic whenever you're, you're getting close to the the deep core topics of reality itself which is where magicians live and I again I was trying to create a special here that would steer away from that that deep cores but unfortunately it looks like creativity is just rooted right on down there um it's absolutely absurd to me where there's the shell game and double standards that are played and then we pretend that it's scientific it's like okay so uh we can't objectively recreate it in a lab uh consistently because it it Carl Jung recreated it hundreds and hundreds of times. He documented it all. So it definitely is a phenomenon that did happen for him in his subjective world. But objectively, they're not able to recreate it over and over again. Uh, there's a ideological, religious-like fervor for that to be the case, that it's only the objective world that exists, and that's just not true. And that's what Carl Jung's entire book is about. And you see them go and say all right objective evidence is the only way to know for sure okay cool show me non-life become life in a test tube never happens never 
not we we have all the equipment in the entire world that you could imagine that just create the perfect environment and literally no one can do it and it's supposed to be happening all the time everywhere so if you're going to hold synchronicity to one standard then you need to hold all of your things to that standard and so what i'm saying is if you're going to go and say evolution is a solid philosophy to base the framework of reality then you also need to accept that other ideas that meet the same qualifications of evidence as evolution need to also be acceptable or at least um, not immediately disregarded because they seem weird. Like, dark matter seems weird. Do we disregard that? No, we keep doing that. Though, if you ask me, it seems like dark matter seems like uh, scientists missed, uh, messed up their math. That, that's the best way I can think to describe it. It seems like they did a bad equation, but I'm not a scientist at all, so don't think that. But that's just my weird intuition, just being like, I've seen that magic trick before. Like, <laughs> you know, the, I've seen the marketing reports. You know, it's like when you go into a marketing report, it's like, are ROIs up 100,000%? Hmm, that's one that, it's, it's just that kind of intuition on that topic. So that's that's my rant here on uh, this. That's my build up to the synchronicity here. So synchronicity is a topic that I'm going to be playing with, and uh, let's see. Let's uh, is synchronicity is the topic that I'm going to be playing with with in the upcoming special. I really think the idea of demonstrating that concept for people in a magic way, using illusions, using tricks to demonstrate what that would look like, and the concept that Carl Jung is doing will be really cool. So I'm gonna try and do that. And I, I'm not exactly sure how I'm gonna make it work yet. But what I want to do is show that if the person is in touch with that creative realm and enters that realm, they can cause things to be brought into their life that are, that's, are seemingly unlikely and bizarre. And so that's kind of the idea there. The second thing that I'm going to be doing in the special is playing with this idea of creative spaces. Now this one was really fascinating. This one came up in a lot of the business oriented creative topics, which is that this idea that when groups of people come together to be creative, they almost enter these collective spaces. Now magicians know all about this topic. They're called parachisms. So a parachism is this subjective bubble of reality that you create in which things can happen in that bubble that are outside the objective realm. And then you come back to the objective realm. So people call this hypnosis, the placebo effect, suggestibility, doesn't really matter what you want to call it. It's this state of mind that people can enter into. Comedians do it very well too. When you feel the, the comedian morphs with the crowd and is essentially pushing their consciousness against their consciousness, this back and forth battle and the, the crowd becomes a one single individual, it, they, they get the same similar experience as a magician. These spaces um, in the business realm, they call them flow states, which I think is the stupidest term ever, but <laughs> the, they're these shared creative spaces where people can be creative together. And so by becoming, uh, by entering into those creative spaces, what I want to see is what is the, what happens on a subconscious level, because in magic there's this concept called rapport which you can try with me right now it's basically when you match and mirror someone you can actually develop a subconscious bond and you'll start to share experiences that you don't realize you're sharing if you want to try try this you can hold up your hand like this with me and you can 
Breathe in. Breathe out. So when I hold up my hand, you can hold up your hand. We're going to put our hand down. Breathe in. Breathe out. Now I'm going to scratch my nose and wait for your nose to start itching. That's an example. So through this camera, even though and it, that'll work for like 30 to 40% of you, you'll feel your nose start to get itchy and tingly. And that's what I'm doing is that by mirroring me and breathing with me and breathing out and following my hands and just having a conversation with you, we've gained a rapport together. And so through the screen, I'm able to reach out and scratch your nose. Isn't that weird? Um, <laughs> so I want to take that principle there and I want to stretch it out to what, it, what if we, rather than mirror uh, a scratch on the nose, what if we mirrored creativity? What if we had that person go through a creative process after her and I built rapport and they draw something and then I draw something and we see how similar it is. So that's, that's the idea. I'm, I'm excited about it. So, it's gonna be cool. We're gonna do it. <laughs> I, I just hope it works. It's gonna suck if I, because I've never done this before. I've never documented my entire creative process. This is usually just me in a room and then one person that just has to deal with me talking to them all day. I'm sorry, Scott, and I'm so sorry to all of the people who have been on the receiving end of that. Josh, you you know it too. But that that was been my process forever. Is read just crap tons of material, watch tons of videos, podcasts, 12, 14 hours a day, and then just process that information out to one individual who just has to sit there and be like, I don't know what's going on, man, but all right, because I'm a verbal processor. I have to process uh, the things that I learn through words. And uh, I've always done that in private. So by doing it in public, I'd, there's lots and lots of times where I'll go out, research a topic, go down a trail. It's kind of like what we were talking about in the ROI of creativity, where there's 98% of ideas fail. It's like you can go down a thread and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that, that's garbage. And then you just cut it off and you're done. <laughs> and so I really hope that by coming out here and just being like showing you what I'm excited about for the upcoming special, uh, or sometimes it just doesn't even work. That's another thing to it. And uh, what if I, I, I'm like all excited about it now and then like three weeks from now, you're like, Tyler, what, what happened to that creative space magic where you're gonna try and, and, and replicate the creative thought? And I'm like, I, I didn't do that because it didn't work. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully, we're gonna see. This is new for me. So we're, we're doing this together. <laughs> Third thing that I'm really, really excited about and I'm gonna probably play with in a variety of ways is something from Carl Jung's The Man and His Symbols. Now that's a book that I've read probably three, four times now, and I'm rereading it again because it is such a powerful book, but I'm also diving more into his specific topics and the concepts of what are called archetypes. And I think that that's gonna play a huge role in this creative special because it is such a powerful concept that I currently already play with, so I've got a lot of experience with utilizing that in my special. Uh, or in my act at the Magic Castle and for private shows and things like that. So I think that's definitely gonna play a big part, but basically what an archetype is, is these uh, sub-personalities that exist inside of you. And, and another way of thinking about it is they exist inside that unknown unknown, those the symb symbolic dimension. And uh, people will take on those traits without even realizing it. Uh, the most generic and simple way I can think to explain this is if you've ever been to a movie 
uh, particularly an archetypically driven movie like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. And by the end of the movie, you watch not the new Star Wars, they all suck. Uh, <laughs> I always have to throw that caveat in. And by the time you leave the movie, you kind of feel more uh, heroic or you've uh, identified and bonded almost with like one of the characters. You can kind of feel a little bit more like that character. Uh, that is a form of this archetypical possession is what you might call it. And what's happening is, is your, those characters are based off of a hidden, an unknown, 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 a, a hidden symbolic truth about the nature of reality that, that's deeply rooted and you can make a secular argument for it, or you can make a religious argument for it, or you can make a, any kind of argument for it. We don't know. That's the, the whole point. But there are these, these patterns of behavior that have permeated throughout history for all of recorded history, and they've been identified in our cultural blueprints. And when you find one that is aligning with what you need in your moment, they can kind of slip in and almost like, it's almost like an app in your mind. It loads an app where you take on some of those characteristics of the person and that's what archetypical possession is so inside the act what I'm going to do is essentially try to recreate that movie experience for someone and utilize that in such a way where I can as a mentalist read and understand the person's behavior and body language and psychology very well I can identify which archetype is going to be best for them uh, most likely I should say to take possession for them and then for that person to then embody it feel that happen inside their mind and then i'm going to figure out what it is so that's going to be really fun to do i, I think you'll that one i'm 95 percent sure i'm going to nail because i do it literally all the time the only difference being here is rather than trying to read just the emotion which is what i do currently if you've seen my magic act i do that we're going to try and take it from the emotion to the archetype and i don't think that'll be a hard jump because I've done it a lot. I, I interchangeably switch between the two of those. So that's the third thing that I'm gonna cover. Now the final thing is the question that I'm still trying to answer, and this is gonna take more research, I'm not there yet, and it's how am I going to conquer the creative block? And the main problem that I have now is I don't know what is the creative block, so that's what I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to learn. If you guys could recommend videos to me or books, particularly uh, older books, because uh, I've noticed there's a, just a side note here that, that a lot of this material that I'm getting is just poisoned with absolute garbage ideology. And it's, it's the most annoying thing in the world. It's all this self-help crap of like, everyone can be creative. Everyone's an artist. Everyone is special. Creativity is just a social construct. And you're just like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing in the world. If, if, it's, if, if the book that you, or if the book or the video or the podcast that you're recommending me has the concept of everybody can have it or social construct, just throw it away. I don't care, it's garbage to me. I've watched them, I've read them, I've endured them because I want to see both sides of the equation. But that philosophy is just garbage. That's the, that's the philosophy of failures and I don't deal in that philosophy. Nihilism is for idiots, don't do it. Um, but if you have like deep, powerful stuff, I'd love to find out if there's like a book by Freud uh, or Jung or a philosopher on what creative block is because I can't find any good information. It's really, really hard to find uh, something that can help me wrap my mind around it so that I can 
deal with that problem. Uh, obviously, I have the processes that I've demonstrated for you, overloading your mind with the left brain, but if I'm gonna do it instantaneously, if I'm gonna do it through the power of suggestion, of the placebo effect, of hypnosis, I have to get a better understanding on what it is and what enemy I'm dealing with because to overcome it, I, hypnosis isn't, you know, it's not witchcraft. All I'm doing is showing you the left side of your brain, the logical side of your brain, the information that it needs to solve the problem. So that's kind of what I'm doing for you guys in these videos. And then in the right side of your brain, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm communicating to it in a way that is effective for it. And so when your left brain and your right brain are both in sync on the same problem, that's very helpful for people to overcome problems. And so that's how I'm planning currently to overcome the obstacle. That's how hypnosis works. It's not a magic solution. So like if your left brain still is addicted to cigarettes and you give hypnosis to fix your, uh, get your right brain, it's not gonna work because your brains are still conflicted. You have to have a logical axiomatic purpose for why you are following something for your left brain so that you can get your right brain on the same page. So when there's conflict between left and right brain, that's the, the issue. And again, magic philosophy, not a psychologist, not a therapist. I am just telling you what I've experienced from doing magic and mentalism for people all the time. And I don't do it to cure people with addictions to cigarettes. I do it to get people to think of the color purple. <laughs> or that's the main obstacle I'm trying to deal with for that one right now. It's a big deal since that's kind of the whole premise of this special, but man, it is, it's tricky. It is tricky to figure out what, what it even is to identify the problem. It almost seems to me, and here's me here, I'll go into the creative, I'll, I'll let my intuition kind of try and answer this for you in real time. So you can see what that creative process is like. Uh, what, what is the block? The creative block to me is if, if what I've been researching is true, it's this other dimension that you enter into and take information out and come back with it. It's almost like the anxiety before you jump into a cold pool and you feel uh, a resistance to doing that and because you're you're feeling that psychological withdrawal it's like because you know that it's going to be cold and painful and not a pleasant experience but at the same time you also know that if you go in there that you'll be able to exercise or feel refreshed or um you know practice your sport whatever what have you and it's almost like the right brain is having that experience that the left brain has with the pool the right brain is having that with the void and I think that the right brain is right in some cases for that and so the methodology that I utilize to solve that problem is by inform basically giving the right brain so much good stuff to think about like how great it would be to go into that realm and get that information by overloading the left brain with all these cool ideas and concepts and great minds and thoughts that it just has to, it's like, screw it. It's like, if I told the left brain, hey, if you jump in that pool, I'm gonna give you 10,000 bucks. Like, boom, jumping in. That's what I'm trying to do for the right brain by overloading it with these ideas and information. So right now, my intuition tells me that that's kind of what the issue is. And that's the problem that I need to overcome, but I'm not sure yet. So give me more information if you can. I'm gonna be looking myself too, but if you have good sources, I'd love it. So final recap on things that I'd like to ask for is if you guys have more information pertaining to that 
maybe conspiracy theory, maybe reality of Carl Jung versus the big pharma and the whole culture of just like a group of people came together and just made up stuff. I, I want to know if that's true or not because I really hope that it's not. I, I'm, I have no dog in the race, so I, but I want that to be not true. <laughs> I really want that to not be true. So please let me see that that's not true. Um, and I also need information pertaining to what uh, creative block really is, ideally from sources that are very, um, uh, from reputable sources and from a variety of sources. So if you could send those to me, that would be fantastic. And that's it, that's all that I'm looking for. Also on another note, you guys can see, obviously it's still not the best, but lighting has improved, the audio quality has improved and the sh that's because of you that's because of the comments that you've left every one person that left me feedback and comments and help has been able to help me get further and closer to making this a better production i take i read every single one of your comments and i take that feedback into consideration so I, this is slightly better than it was last week because of you and i want to keep that trend up so please if you have feedback if you have comments if you want to engage in a conversation if you want to go deeper into these topics if you have sources get in the comment section let me know i really want to develop this dialogue with you guys and i really appreciate all the help that you guys are giving me to help me get this production better and better for you i want to improve and i am it's it's not negativity obviously i get some negativity sometimes but you know, everyone gets that but the constructive feedback is really really appreciated and uh, helpful so thank you very much for that and making this a little bit better you're you're part of that process now if you left a comment you're part of making this a better experience and if you shared this if you liked this you are also part of that process because you're helping more people see this process and get the nuggets of wisdom that come out and again i make this video in the long form format if you're watching this right now that's super awesome i really appreciate that and i take this and i break it into little segments so that you have the different pieces so you don't have to go and share your with your friend here's a 45 minute video you can go and instead share with them here's a you know five minute segment here's a 10 minute segment on the problem that you're dealing with right now so that's what i'm going to build out for you guys and i hope that you enjoy it so with that uh, remember, AskWizardMagic.com. I don't think I need to say it anymore. You guys know who Tyler Sass is from AskWizardMagic.com, but I love doing it because I'm a marketer. Make sure that you guys subscribe, share, like, do all those fun things because algorithms and math. All right. Peace.